This is an AMI podcast. I'm Kelly McDonald. I'm Ramia Amadin, and this is Kelly and Ramia. Settle on back, folks. Take in the show. We appreciate you being with us. But if anything occurs to you, maybe something you want to share with us, remember, send an email, feedback at ami.ca, the gang at communications and marketing. They'll pass it on to us. Just mention it's for Kelly and company, feedback at ami.ca. You can always call it in, 1-866-509-4545. Mention it's for Kelly and company. And do give us permission to use your message on air because otherwise we won't do that. Uh, again, one eight six six five zero nine four five four five on Twitter. The handle at AMI Audio. You can reach out to the network. Uh, keep up with what's happening from segment to segment on the program. It's a great way. That's on Twitter. Handle at AMI Audio. Kelly McDonald, Ramya Muthan, and we welcome you back to the show, uh, folks. Let's welcome in our veterinarian who we visit with every week at this time, Danielle Johnkine. The human-animal bond plays such an important role in people's lives, and as a veterinarian, it's my privilege to help keep those bonds strong and healthy. I'm Dr. Danielle Jonkine, and welcome to Ask a Veterinarian. So I had an uncle who claimed he could identify food by smelling the package, and most of us say, oh yeah, sure you can, you can do that, but he could open your fridge. And he knew what was there. He also sight impaired. And uh, I, I just like, like, I mean, he had a nose. So I always thought, oh, well, I'm pretty good. I can identify stuff. I can, you know, search it out. However, we all know how great a dog's sense of smell is. Detection dogs are used to sniff out missing people, drugs, and even bombs in airports. During the early days of the pandemic, we heard about COVID detection dogs being used to screen people at some of those airports. And in the past on the show, we've even talked about dogs who were trained to sniff out cancer. A new study printed in the journal Neuroscience has uh, revealed some even more impressive things about our canine companions and that sense of smell we're talking about. Dr. Danielle Johnkind joins us, of course, at this time uh, to tell us a little bit more. Um, Danielle, what do scientists actually know about a dog's sense of smell? Well, uh, we we know that dogs have two organs that detect smell. Um, there are sensors in the nose, and there's a secondary set of sensors in something called the vomeronasal organ, which is actually located above the roof of the mouth and behind the front teeth. Mm. Um, we also know a lot about what a dog's nose can do since we train them for hunting, for tracking, and for careers as detection dogs. Um, studying dog anatomy and behavior shown that a dog's head is designed to optimize airflow through the nose and that they exhibit the best sniffing pattern behaviors to increase their chances of picking up smells in their environment. And we know that dogs use the smells in their environment to decide how they interact with other dogs, with other animals, and with people. Uh, They use scent tracking as part of their spatial awareness and scent recognition to identify things. And, you know, science has also revealed how much more important smell is to dogs than to your average human. We have about 5 million smell receptors lining our nose, apparently. But dogs have somewhere between 200 million and a billion, depending on the breed of dog. (laughs) Big difference. And, you know, 
that that means they have a much better chance of detecting smells than we do. And the other part of smelling, of course, is having part of the brain to interpret the information those smell receptors are bringing in. So in mammals, that part of the brain is called the olfactory bulb. And the olfactory bulb in a dog's brain is 30 times the size of the one in a human brain. Wow. So yeah, so all of this suggests that the sense of smell is hugely important to how a dog thinks, how it functions, how it interacts with its environment. And, you know, lots of scientists, they study canine cognition, you know, trying to understand how dogs think and what they might understand. But because their experience is different from ours, the studies aren't always designed to test canine cognition through the lens of what it must be like to be a dog. Okay. Oh, man, that was a lot of great information. Even between breeds, you said it could be 200 million to a billion. That even is a a giant leap. So I'm curious about that, too. But uh, testing canine cognition through the lens of what it would be like to be a dog. Can you explain that for us? Sure. So, you know, what I mean by that is that scientists who study canine cognition are human. And while our sense of smell is important to us and can affect our own behavior, we we don't rely on it to navigate through the world necessarily like a dog would. So when scientists design tests to assess what dogs understand, they don't always consider how important a dog's sense of smell is to them or how important it is to how they think and behave. So, you know, there's been some criticisms leveled that some canine cognition studies rely too heavily on a dog's vision to test them Mm -hmm. and don't even account for that sense of smell. And of course, that's because the people who design the test for the dogs rely mostly on their vision to navigate through the world. And, you know, that can introduce an unintended bias into the results, meaning that the results might not be truly accurate simply because the dog's reliance on smell wasn't taken into consideration when designing the study. And, you know, as a sighted person, I'm, I'm guessing this kind of bias is definitely a concept that the blind and low vision community must understand extremely well. I mean, you know, living in a world where the majority of humans rely primarily on their sight must create similar challenges for people who are blind or low vision when their own perspective on the world is so different from the people mm-hmm. around them. And the two blind hosts picked up on that. That's exactly what mm-hmm. I, when I started the rehab, was like, ah, yeah, what, how, what if? Because so many people look over at something and say, oh, nice, that looks like a roast beef sandwich sitting over there where the dog would be running over. Hey, what is that? And Kelly would be running over. What is that? Is that horseradish? (laughs) Exactly. Oh, keep that one for sure. What was different about the study we're talking about today? Well, you know, the the neuroscience article, you know, it goes on to say that the sense of smell in humans has been investigated with a special MRI technique called DTI tractography. So scientists have used this to see how the areas in the brain that process smells from the nose receptors are connected to other areas of the brain. And so we know from these studies in humans that the olfactory bulb in the brain um, is integrated with other areas of the brain that involve emotions, memory, and to some extent with spatial awareness. But nobody had really ever looked at this in dogs, though. And so the scientists responsible for this study decided to do that. So basically, they were looking for brain wiring connecting different regions of the brain to the parts that process information from the sense of smell. It was kind of a new thing. No one had really done that before. Yeah. Well, what did they find uh, when doing this? Well, you know, the short answer is really cool stuff. (laughs) 
right. <laughs> if you're a science geek like me. And so the result of the study suggested that dogs have wiring connecting the smell processing center of their brain to the same areas that people do, but also to other areas that help to process vision of all things. So oh. what they have... Yeah, so what they haven't yet shown is how functional this wiring is. But, you know, other canine cognition studies have suggested the possibility that vision and smell are more closely integrated in dogs than they are in people. And that is actually pretty neat because it supports the idea that dogs may be doing something akin to seeing with their noses. Yeah. You know, and... And using the eyes as a confirmation. Yeah, you know, and from everything we know so far, it it seems pretty likely that the sense of smell figures pretty prominently in how dogs sense, think about and react to their environment. So, you know, it's a pretty neat concept. I I would also do a lot of dog watching after this. Well, I'd also think (laughs) other animals, too. Like, you know, we're always saying, be careful with your smells, with stuff you leave out at the cottage because of bears, right? You know, a bear may not need the care and peek in your window. Oh, meatloaf on the counter. Smash. I smell it. I smelt it. Yeah, Mm -hmm. that's it. Um, So what do you think this might mean for that interaction with our dogs? Well, it's hard to say for sure, but I think there's some definitely some animal welfare implications that could come up with this information. I know it makes me think twice about wearing strong smelling perfumes or deodorants when I know I'm going to be around dogs. Mm. Um, some, sometimes I question how necessary it is to have scents that are pleasing to humans in products like dog shampoo. And I also noted in the article how they mentioned there were breed differences in the number of smell receptors in a dog's nose. And I have to wonder if some breeds of dogs may suffer a loss of smell from these differences. For example, ah. the brachycephalic breeds like pugs. Mm. I mean, they have a very abnormal nose compared to a dog breed with a more normal head shape, like a German Shepherd, for example. So, you know, I, I have to wonder, you know, does this affect their sense of smell and their ability to navigate their environment? Does it impact their cognitive function um i don't know the answer to these questions and as far as i know no one's looked into it either but Even you know pain in that right like we get upset if certain smells turn us off make us yeah, feel sick true. or hurt We're sensitive mm-hmm mm-hmm Mm-hmm. And, you know, even this kind of research might affect housing considerations for dogs in kennel type environments. I mean, environmental enrichment based on smell might become something major to consider when you're housing right. dogs, too. Oh, yeah, it's so fascinating. And it's true, like, um, I'm starting to think even with other things we've talked about in the past where dogs are uh, trained through their sense of smell, will that training be done differently? uh, Or can it be improved in some way when you can tell how sensitive a dog's smell is? Do you think this information can help or have some impact in veterinary medicine? Well, I think the potential is definitely there for that. And knowing how smell influences our dogs could be really useful. Yeah. Um, we do we do already have some examples of how we use a dog's sense of smell to help them in vet medicine. Uh, the clearest example I can give is the use of something called DAP. Uh, DAP stands for dog appeasing pheromone. And it's sprayed on objects or used in a diffuser or collar to reduce anxiety in dogs. And it's actually a mixture of molecules that are released by lactating dogs and that are inhaled by nursing puppies. And the idea behind it is by recreating this cocktail of pheromones and releasing them into the air, the smell will calm and reassure the dog. So, you know, behavior medicine can definitely benefit from knowing more about how a dog's sense of smell affects them. 
And, you know, another area I think this information might be really useful is with elderly dogs. Um, does their sense of smell decline with age and how mm -hmm. does this affect them? And are there things we can do to keep their sense of smell functioning longer and stave off or more effectively treat conditions like canine cognitive disorder? Um, I also have to wonder if with this linking between the brain areas processing smell and vision in dogs, how does losing one of those senses impact the other? You know, right. dogs sometimes lose their vision to diseases like diabetes or glaucoma, for example. Does their sense of smell help them to compensate for this or do they also lose some of the other sense because those two areas of the brain are linked? You know, I think there's a lot of implications for this research that we really haven't even considered yet. Yeah, this is kind of like that one that we're used to people saying, oh, do you have a better sense of hearing because you can't mm. see? You know, you wonder that as well as do we need to um, have sense, like like the pheromones for relaxing it? Would we even need it to where we could almost not smell it as human beings because we don't have that sense? Is it what we're saying? Oh, well, this will be great for the dog. You know, how overwhelming does it become or, or not? I think that's going to be really interesting to see the sensitivity level for, for, for what, what is in the best interest of the, of the dog. Yeah. And it's funny you mentioned, um, about the sense of hearing, um, Kelly, because I remember the one and only time I was ever in the AMI office and it was for the Christmas kitchen party show. Mm -hmm. And I remember we were all sitting in a room waiting for the show to begin. And I was sitting at a table speaking with someone who was sitting on my right side and the whole room was buzzing with conversation. And, um, I was listening to the lady beside me. She was telling me something and you walked into the room and I answered the lady next to me and your head snapped up and you looked right over to where I was. And you said, Danielle, <laughs> and I was like, I could not have picked my voice out of all of that buzz. I don't know how you did that. Yeah, and it's amazing because, and you think about the dogs because it's so important. Like for us to be able to yeah, stop, listen in a room, or look around, it is in incredibly important because it's almost it's like well, it is that preservation. And I think if a dog can answer you, it's stimulation. Well, yeah. True. Yeah, too. And like it's, it's very stimulating to to listen and and tap into that hearing for us and for dogs. I'm thinking like even dog toys or puzzles or whatever. We talk a lot about uh, you know keeping dogs stimulated and cats too um, through taste and treats and things like that. But does smell make that difference for them as well? Yeah, it's so I, fascinating. I I just love the idea of that smell uh, really being the the. The leader of the, the follow your nose, but also to confirm things using the eyes or do they even bother? Right. Danielle, wonderful topic. We'll talk to you next week. Thanks. Danielle John Kine on the program. And next week, uh, she'll be here for some Halloween fun. We're going to highlight some animals in horror movies and TV shows. And we'll throw in some books, too. She joins us every week at this time right here on Kelly and Company. Stand by. We're back with more right after this. Hi, I'm Red Sale, inviting you to download the latest episode of My Life in Books, where internationally acclaimed authors discuss their lives, their work, and three books that have resonated with them. That's My Life in Books, available wherever you get your AMI podcasts.